1: Yes, indeed it is, and we begin at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Thursday, the ninth morning of the fourth month of the year of, the year of our Lord, 2020. It is obviously Holy Thursday as well, uh, as Holy Week continues, and it's the strangest Holy Week that so many of us have ever, well, not so many, how about all of us, all of us have ever endured? Unable to go to worship, unable to go and and, uh, and pray and join our uh, congregants and others, uh, at this very important time. So I'm just going to start the show like I have, uh, I think, almost every show this week. And we will not have a show tomorrow, by the way, because we do observe Good Friday. And um, it is uh, it is the start, of course, of Easter weekend, and it is the commemoration of the death of our Lord on the cross. Uh, so I want to start the program today by, again, wishing everyone a very blessed, holy week. Um, I wish everyone good health. I wish everyone um, the ability to commemorate and celebrate easter season i know it's a strange thing to say when you talk about holy thursday and the uh, the death of our lord uh the arrest and then the tomorrow the death of our lord it's hard to say the word celebrate but celebrate means also to commemorate uh this very important season obviously so uh just know that we can't be all together in the pews or uh in the churches uh wherever it is that you may celebrate but we can do that in our hearts and i'm sure everyone joins me in that um, in that effort. Okay. Uh, having said that, uh, a very, uh, good morning to you. And we have a really good show for you this morning on this Holy Thursday coming up in about, um, an hour. At 10.10, we're going to be talking with Dr. Everett Piper, as we do each and every Thursday. And it's particularly going to be important to talk to him on this Holy Thursday. He's got a lot of things to talk about from the faith angle and also, of course, speaking from the scientific angle of what we are dealing with with the coronavirus. And then at 10.35, an encore performance. Peter Kirsten now felt bad that he wasn't able to stay on very long yesterday. So he said, do you want me to come back? And I said, if you've got it in your schedule, I will never turn down free bonus personnel. So we do have free bonus personnel today. Peter will join us at 1035 until 11 o'clock. So what that means to you is this. The final hour of the program is booked with guests. The first hour of the program is your best chance to be heard today. That's right now, 216 901 and aaa If you would prefer to contact this show, And make a statement or ask a question to me via social media. You may do so at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z, radio, all one word, no spaces, no underscores, France Radio, at Twitter and at Facebook. Okay, so we were initially told by Dr. Labcoat, um, one of the two superheroes, we are told, in the state of Ohio. I think that's what Cleveland.com actually called them, right? Superheroes. I think that was the 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 latest phrasing that Governor Dewine and Dr. Labcoat um, are superheroes who are responsible for saving lives. Okay, um, that's everybody's entitled to their viewpoint. Everybody's entitled to their phrasing, but um, Dr. Labcoat, uh, the the Robin, I would assume in this Batman and Robin uh, type of analogy, Dr. Labcoat predicted about a month ago, that we would have 100,000 cases minimum. 100,000 cases minimum in the state of Ohio, because that's how incredibly deadly and dangerous and infectious that the Chinese Wuhan coronavirus is. 100,000 cases in the state of Ohio. Now, when I say minimum, it's because she said at least, two or three different times when she talked about 1% of Ohio's population. She said at least 1% of Ohio's population is going to come down with this, and that would be 100,000 cases. A lot of things have happened over the course of the last three to four weeks, no question about that, and among them is an admission by Dr. Labcoat that um, she was guessing. Yeah, she threw the word timate or the uh the modifier or the uh, second part of the word timate into it she says guesstimating drop the timating she was guessing she was also guessing a few days ago when she said that there were going to be 62,000 cases per day at the peak she was probably still guessing or guesstimating if you want uh when she dropped that 62,000 to 10,000 a day And then yesterday, Lord only knows how much she's guessing when she says, yeah, well, now at the peak, at its very worst, it's going to be 1,600. 1,600. We went from 100,000 total to 10,000, I'm sorry, 62,000 per day to 10,000 per day to 1,600 per day at its peak. This is what we found out yesterday from Dr. Labcoat, and I and I'm sorry. I just can't I I put this on Facebook even. She's not seeing patients. She's talking to the press. She's not working in a research lab. She's talking to the press. Why is she wearing her white lab coat every time she has one of these briefings? Dr. Brooks doesn't do that. Dr. Fauci doesn't do that. Dr. Adams doesn't do that. None of the doctors that are on, Dr. Oz doesn't do that. Dr. Siegel doesn't do that. Why is she constantly wearing her little white lab coat? Because I swear to you, it's because she knows she's in a production. She knows she's in a play. She knows she's uh, part of the show. And that's her costume. And I think her utter inability to actually target the real number of cases in the state of Ohio that have just continued to be wrong have her uh, maybe understanding that a whole lot of people don't place a whole lot of faith in what they're hearing from her. And I feel like she's wearing that white coat so that it can scream while she talks. I'm a doctor. I'm a real doctor. I swear I'm a real doctor. I swear I am. Look at my coat. Look at my coat. I, it just It just bugs me. You're not seeing patients and you're not in a research lab. Why are you putting on a lab coat before you come out to the cameras when you stand next to Governor DeWine? Why? It just annoys me. But here's what Dr. Labcoat admitted yesterday.
2: Before in our earlier modeling, we knew all along that if you did nothing, we would have predicted 62,000. Cases per day at the peak. And of that course, we prediction,
1: that prediction of 62,000 a day was well into the social distancing and statewide lockdown that she and Governor DeWine ordered. It was well into it. She cannot go backwards now and rewrite this and say, well, we, we our model was if we did nothing, it would be 62,000 a day. No, it wasn't. We were well into this, Governor DeWine, and you were among the first in the nation to order bars and restaurants closed, among the first in the nation to shut down all "quote unquote" non-essential businesses. We were already doing the mitigation, and you came out with sixty-two thousand.
2: Long ago, um, in Ohio, if we were predicting up to um, initial peak projection. On one modeling was 98,000 cases per day. Uh, We we had another model that said six to eight thousand. Our latest projection is 1,600 cases per day.
1: I cannot say this with enough emphasis, and I cannot say this with enough authority. She is making it up. As she goes along. If you have faith after all of this, 100,000, 98,000 a day, 10,000 a day, six to 8,000 a day, now 1,600 a day. If you have any faith at all in those models or in the Ohio Department of Health director, Dr. Labcoat, I would like to know why. Legitimately, I ask this very seriously. Tell me why you have faith in any of those numbers that have been so wrong, and they have been with the inclusion of mitigation factors in those models. Why would she be projecting 10000 a day, If we do nothing, if we are already doing something, these models have evolved and changed day after day, week after week. And she now wants us to believe that it's because we started doing something, we went from 98,000 a day to 1,600 a day. No, we have been doing it all along. Do you have faith in Dr. Amy Acton, who is essentially running this show? In full costume, remember, I'm a doctor for Governor DeWine. As of yesterday, we have 5,148 confirmed coronavirus cases. That's since this whole thing began. The first one was March 9th, exactly one month ago. How about that? Today's April 9th. The first positive case was identified on March 9th. In that full month... We've had 5,148 confirmed cases. She's off by 95,000 on the original estimate. She's off by far more than that from her 98,000 model. Off by a little bit less, but still a country mile and a half when she said 62,000 a day. No, then it was 6 to 8,000, 6,000 to 8,000 a day. We haven't had 6,000 in the month. We have 5,148 confirmed cases in the state of Ohio in the past month. 1,485 of those resulted in hospitalization. I want you to think about that. In a month, we haven't had 5,000 cases. Or excuse me, we've had uh, 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 just over 5,000 cases. We haven't had 6,000 that they're talking about per day in the entire month. Now we're dropping it to 1600 The reason for these questions this morning in the state of Ohio, because i got a lot of stuff. I could talk about the World Health Organization. I could talk about uh, Governor, or, uh, Vice President Mike Pence uh, going after the WHO and vowing to bring very tough questions on how they could be so wrong on coronavirus and why they were so defensive of China in this whole thing once it's all said and done. President Trump defunding them. I get it all of that. We can talk about the uh, the reality and the honesty of the COVID-19 fatality count, why it is being inflated intentionally by doctors in the federal response and in the statewide response. We can get into all of that. But I just want to start in the state of Ohio. Do you believe and do you have faith in the – oh, I remember. It was rock stars. It just came to me. It just I, Before, I was t- talking about how uh, Cleveland.com, the plain dealer – called uh, Governor DeWine and Amy Acton superheroes. It wasn't superheroes. It was rock stars. My apologies. I just thought of it. Do you believe in the rock stars, or do you have very serious doubts about the reliability of what we're being told? And I ask that because Ohio is dying right now. Ohio's businesses are closed. Ohio's workers are unemployed. We just found out that 6.6 million more people filed for unemployment in the last week. That's added to the 10 million combined in the previous two. And people need to get back to work. I would be screaming from the rooftops that Governor DeWine needs to ease the restrictions and start on an incremental basis opening businesses back up again. If I didn't have any faith at all... In Dr. Labcoat. I'm asking you to uh, whether or not you have faith in Dr. Labcoat and whether I should as well. What should be the approach? Considering all of the models and all of the projections and all of the predictions including mitigation factors such as social distancing. How much faith do you have in Dr. Labcoat and in Governor DeWine? And I asked that question full well knowing we have an interview with Governor DeWine scheduled for this coming Wednesday. I will talk to Governor Mike DeWine live and I will ask him all of these questions about his sidekick there, Dr. Acton, and more. But I want to know how you feel about it this morning. Two one six-9010945, Triple Eight 888-281-1110. Right back after this. Fire! Yeah, I am uh, very much looking forward to the conversation uh, that is going to be held on Wednesday with our own governor, Mike DeWine. And to be 100% upfront, candid, and honest with you, I will be absolutely, totally and duly respectful. I don't think Mike DeWine is doing anything uh, nefarious. I don't think Governor uh, DeWine in any way, shape, or form is trying to harm Ohioans. I think his heart is in the right place. I'm going to tell him so. I absolutely do. I have a little bit less faith in that in Amy Acton, just for for reasons that go back to wh- where she is or where she came from, and who she is, and the the the, the uh, role that she is trying to play here. But I I do not believe that the goal of Ohio's lead officials is to harm Ohioans at all. I think especially Governor Dwine's heart is in the right place. I just think he is misjudging this, and I think he is. It is time. Even if he had, let's just say for the second, let's, let's, and I'll tell him this, for the sake of discussion, not hypothetically, but just for the sake of discussion, let's say he was spot on right at the beginning and what he did was the right thing to do right away because they just didn't know how it was all going to break down. I would then suggest, and I will when I talk to him Wednesday, that it's also time to get out in front of this now. You got out in front of it before. Get out in front of it now and open the state back up for business. Now that you see the numbers do not warrant putting millions of Ohioans out of work, now that you see the numbers of deaths, of hospitalizations, et cetera, et cetera, it does not warrant putting business owners, um, uh, you know, uh, costing them their businesses. I'm going to phrase that the right way. It's not just putting business owners out of work, but literally, it is destroying their businesses from which they will never recover. This, this this situation that the numbers do not warrant this unprecedented economic shutdown in the state of Ohio, and more on a larger you know on a large basis uh, in the United States of America. But here in the state of Ohio, it just doesn't warrant it. So it's time to you were out in front of it once, get out in front of it again. And we'll talk more about that coming up. Uh, let's go to BJ in North Olmsted. You're on AM fourteen twenty, The Answer. Hi, BJ. Go ahead.
3: Thank you, Bob. I think we're onto something more than this disease. I think this disease is real, but I think it's being used. It's our political system that is at threat here. I want you to look up a quote. I care not who runs the government as long as I control the money. It's the banking system that's controlling this country, and it's the banking system that's pushing us into socialism. This country closing down right now is wrong, and it is evil, and it is being run by evil people. We have to come to the reality. Those of you who are Christian out there, you're going to have to look to your faith more about what's going on here. and You have to go and look at the Old Testament to know what's going on here with the money system that's being played on us. This is beyond this. This virus happens to play in their hands. We are going socialist daily. When we shut down our government and our working class of people in this country, I am surprised that the people have bought it like they have bought it and they have accepted it. And that's how you control a society. The society is being controlled right now. When the American people wake up, I hope the spirit of the people that we had in World War II will arise again and stop this crap and stop these politicians. These doctors that are out there telling this stuff, I think, are being coerced, or they maybe believe it. I don't know why they're doing it. But there are more illnesses out there now that are causing far more deaths. I You know I've been saying this for a while, and I don't say it because I want to be right. I say it because I want to wake up you, your listeners. We are being bamboozled. Our country is being taken over, and communism is the next step. Socialism, whatever you want to call it, the Constitution right now is dead. We have to revive it and stand by it and fight for it. You're going to find yourself. Well, BJ, more BJ I've, I've got to jump
1: in. i got to jump in here because thank you for the call because um, it's 930 in news time. I don't think the Constitution is dead. I think it's under attack. And I think uh, uh, the liberties and the Bill of Rights, particularly that we have lost during this virus, is a very serious issue. And it is something we do need to wake up to. The rest of that, obviously, is a lot larger and we can talk about in due time. But you did use the word socialism. You did use the word socialist. And that is going to be uh, a, a great l- uh, launch into a, part of our next conversation the man who actually identified himself as a socialist and came perilously close to being the nominee for one of the two major parties for President of the United States, is now out. And we will talk about that socialist coming up, too, on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine thirty six. We continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. A couple of quick tweets here, and I want to get back to business. Um, got a tweet here from Marianne, tweeting to France Radio, F R A N T Z Radio. Love your show. The doctor lab coat comes from Obama's administration. Obama administration's HHS secretary Donna Shalala. No, 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 no. Uh, Donna Shalala was Clinton, wasn't she? I think she was Clinton's health. Anyway. Um, she says when Obamacare, okay, maybe I was wrong. When when Obamacare was being rolled out, she handed out white lab coats to all the doctors in attendance, and any time a doc appeared, she made them wear a white lab coat to indicate the author, their authority. All online, okay, there you go. Uh, that's why Doctor Lab Coat Amy Acton is doing this. But it's funny, Doctor Burks doesn't seem to need to do that, and she looks authoritative. Doctor Fauci doesn't seem to need need to do that. He looks authoritative. I think she looks weak. I think she looks weak. She looks ineffectual. And I think she is trying to command authority by way of the cloth rather than her words. Sorry. I think the white coat is her way of saying, look, I really am a doctor. I swear. It might not sound like it, but I swear I am. Luna tweets. uh, Hashtag thankful Thursday. uh, Dr. Acton and her numbers are ridiculous. All this unemployment over her numbers are a worse tragedy. I have four kids who are out of work. At Governor Mike DeWine shouldn't listen to a thing she has predicted. David says, at France Radio, in answer to your question, I have no faith in Amy Acton, and I have less faith than Governor Mike DeWine and Lieutenant Governor Husted. They seem to have no concept of the devastation they are causing and that I am seeing firsthand. I'm going to say this about that, uh, as I kind of started to say before. I do not believe Governor DeWine and Lieutenant Governor Husted, and to a different degree, Dr. Labcoat, I don't think they have ill intentions. I don't think they're intentionally trying to harm the state of Ohio's economy and the state of Ohio's workforce, the state of Ohio's residents and citizens. I don't think they are. I just think they're misguided, and I think uh, the mistakes that have been made need to be corrected. The cure in the state of Ohio, I think, by the numbers, has been far more damaging to Ohioans and potentially deadly if all deaths are taken into consideration than the virus i don't think they're doing it on purpose i just think they're getting some bad advice and they're following some and, and i think maybe a few headlines you know time magazine this new york times that plane dealer this superhero rock star blah blah you know and let's keep doing this everybody lo- loves us now i think that guides it a little bit but i don't think the intention is to harm anybody and i'll have the conversation again with mike dewine on uh wednesday coming up this wednesday now, last caller brought up socialism. Last caller brought up a socialist, and that was, of course, Bernie Sanders, who stepped aside yesterday and announced he is no longer a candidate for the presidency of the United States. But he had some advice from the, for the man who is the nominee, uh, the presumptive nominee for the Democrat Party, Joe Biden. Listen uh,
3: and that I hope uh, to be able to work with Joe to move him in a more progressive direction. And I think Joe is a good politician. And he understands that in order to defeat, uh, the president, that in order to defeat Trump, he's going to have to bring new people into his political world, uh, and that he's going to have to listen to their needs, young people, working people, uh, and maybe start moving in
1: a different direction to some degree. <laughs> I just, I get a kick out of that. Since I heard that yesterday, I just kind of chuckled last night. It was, it was funny. I mean, Here's a guy, the self-anointed socialist, who's not even a member of the Democrat Party. He's a socialist, but he ran for the Democrat nomination, was defeated by Joe Biden, and then upon leaving, tells Joe Biden, you know, if you want to win, you got to be more like me. <laughs> Think about that. You know, Joe, if you want to beat Trump, you got to be more like me. I couldn't beat you. But if you want to beat Trump, you got to be more like me. you got to be more progressive. you got to bring more and more ideas like mine into, uh, into your platform. I just find that hilarious. And I find it more hilarious that Joe Biden's response was, yeah, I agree. Uh, this is great. Those are some really great ideas that we should implement. Be more like the guy who just lost if you want to win the next round. I find that funny. Here's something I don't find funny. I don't find it funny at all that we have no legitimate, not only predictive models of how the spread of the COVID-19 Chinese Wuhan coronavirus, that's its full name, uh, how how wide it's going to be spread and how deadly it's going to be around the country, certainly here in the state of Ohio, as we have discussed. Not only do we not have any predictive models, we also don't have any accurate statistics to really truly tell us how many people are dying, Okay. We don't have any real honest reportings of how many people are dying because, as Dr. Burke said, we are being very liberal with our counting and our mortality. If somebody dies with coronavirus, we are chalking it up and marking it on the tally sheet as dying from coronavirus. Even if somebody had pneumonia, which was going to kill them, that's very similar to coronavirus. We're calling it covid ID. That's what Dr. Brooks admitted. Well, let me share this with you. Dr. Scott Jensen is both is two things. He's a Minnesota politician, he's a state senator there, but he's also a doctor. He was interviewed on Tuesday by a television station, and he dropped a bombshell. He and all other Minnesota doctors received a seven page letter from the Minnesota Department of Health that gave guidance on how to classify COVID-19 deaths. The letter said that if a patient died of, for example, as I just made, uh, the example pneumonia, but was believed to have been exposed to COVID-19, the death certificate shall read, COVID-19 is the cause of death, even if the patient was never tested or never tested positive for the disease. Now, that's what the Minnesota State uh, um, Department of Health is doing. What do you think Dr. Labcoat, Amy Acton, is doing in the Ohio Department of Health? You tell me. Especially given something else that I posted yesterday to social media, which was mind-blowing. Down at the Ohio State Medical Center, a patient who went in there, went went in to see the doctor, for one, let me say that again, one symptom that may or may not be related to COVID-19. She said she was having a hard time tasting things. According to the new research, loss of smell and or taste is one of the first indicators of potential COVID-19. So she went into... The Ohio State Medical Center, whoever her doctor is there, to to, to find out, you know, what's going on. She posted a video. She had her phone, and when the doctor was out of the room, she posted video of her looking at the um, diagnosis sheet that was given to her. She had one symptom. One symptom. She did not get a COVID-19 test. She did not say that she was exposed to anybody. She just couldn't smell and wondered what was going on, and they marked her positive on her sheet or diagnosis, COVID-19. COVID-19 is her diagnosis, and she is being told she has to quarantine because she can't smell. No tests, nothing. Just the assumption that she must be positive for COVID-19. Now remember, this is at Ohio State in Columbus. Dr. Amy Acton, the Ohio Department of Health director, said there's 100,000 people who are going to be impacted by this. I, do you have any reason to doubt that she wouldn't have sent the same directive to doctors all over this state that the Minnesota health director sent to doctors all over that state? Anybody who comes in with a symptom, a singular symptom, a cough, a sneeze, a fever, Trouble breathing, trouble smelling, any of those things, any one of them, mark them positive for COVID-ID. And if any of them die, no matter what their circumstance is, their death is from COVID-19.
2: How honest are the numbers? I can't tell. No, we have not. And um, Does that, does that is- not
3: concern you? I mean, shouldn't the people of Minnesota be screaming
1: right now?
2: Well, I think you know minnesota nice we want to we want to be good soldiers and that but i I think that people are starting to say hold it now we need to have a deeper understanding of this and we're not getting it i think that well in minnesota as a physician i received an email last week from the department of health coaching me on how to fill out death certificates and i've never really received coaching from the vital statistics uh agency in terms of how to do a death certificate but basically i felt like they were saying you know you don't have to have a confirmed laboratory test for covid-19 in order to make the death certificate be covid-19 wait 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 uh, Uh, sir sir sir, let me interrupt you but that and what you just said
1: i think is critically important can you it is critically important the interviewer on the uh um the um television station in Minnesota there, uh, stopped him and said, whoa, 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 you are being told that even if you don't have a positive COVID-19 test, mark them down as COVID-19 anyway?
2: Repeat what you just said, please. Well, last Friday, I received a seven-page document that sort of told me that if I had an 86-year-old patient that had pneumonia but was never tested for COVID-19, but sometime after she came down with pneumonia, we learned that she had been exposed to her son, who had no symptoms but later on was identified with COVID-19, that it would be appropriate to diagnose on the death certificate COVID-19. Now, we've not done that. If someone has the pneumonia after and and it's in the... And this, by the way, and we talked about this at length yesterday, this, by the way, is why
1: we have to wonder why why suddenly nobody is dying of pneumonia. The pneumonia death uh, statistics, the death rate for this time of the year, when compared to the same time of the year in previous years, is extraordinarily low. How can that be? Why is nobody dying from pneumonia? And the answer is because the doctors are being instructed to mark it down as COVID-19 so that we can jack up the number of, of, of cases, jack up the number of deaths, and keep the people under the thumb of the almighty big daddy government. If this isn't alarming to you, I don't understand what you're paying attention to. I really don't. All right, uh, let's go to um, Mark, who's calling us from Madison on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Mark, go ahead. Hey, Bob, good to talk to you. Uh, You're right. I just wanted to talk about, you know, you said yesterday about garbage going in and garbage coming out uh, of these models. And one of the things that we were
3: hearing was, well, we're going to be in New York in two weeks, but in New York, They talk about social distancing and you get getting a ticket if you go outside of your apartment, but they got the subways open. And it's like, how, how in the world can you talk about social
1: distancing legitimately and the subways are open? You can't. That makes no sense at all. That makes no sense whatsoever. It's just uh, that's it's it's hypocritical. And I know they're going to say, "Well, people have to get from here to there, especially emergency workers who try." Remember, are people who are in quote unquote uh, essential uh, uh, lines of work? They have to be able to get there, especially first responders and subways. Are only tra- they're only transportation. Blah blah blah. So I get it. I get it. But like you said, then if they're going to allow that, why not allow other people to be in other places, especially if they're practicing good habits? Well, they got a whole fleet of idle taxi cabs. Yeah, well, and and, and I'll be honest with you, uh, I, I, are they allowed to get into uh, you know Are they allowed to get into taxi cabs? You're two feet away from the driver. I guess a lot of them the have those windows. Have tax- a lot of them have those get the windows. so
2: ninety five
1: and let yeah. them drive these essential people wherever they need to go. Yeah, they got a whole fleet of these cabs that have no customers, and they got yeah. people packed into the the subway trains and the buses. Yeah yeah it's it 's absolutely hypocritical that, you know you oh we 're going to give you a ticket for a thousand dollars, but we 're you know every day the subways are full of people well That's, here's <laughs> here 's an example and, and, and thanks for the call I appreciate it mark here you know it 's funny you mentioned ticketing it just made me think of something else that just kind of it just got my goat uh yesterday um and and i and i, I Facebook posted this last night i 'm using social media so much more than I want to because i really don 't like it, but here we are um I posted this yesterday. Under the heading of, and it was true, I I want my country back. I want my country back, and I don't feel like I can get it back. When we have stories like this, in Brighton, Colorado, a father and his wife and his daughter were playing t-ball or wiffle ball in an open space that backed up to a park there called Donaldson, Donaldson Park. They were playing ball together. A father, his wife, and and their daughter were playing ball together. Three Brighton police officers approached them, told them the park was closed and that their family, family was violating social distancing guidelines. The officers asked to see identification. Matt Mooney refused because he knew he was doing nothing wrong. He was with his family. The family was playing in an open space, but the adjacent Donaldson Park should never have been closed to them anyway, as the post had signed their states to engage in outdoor activity individually or in groups of no more than four, park group parks remain open For walking, hiking, biking, running, uh, running, running, excuse me, biking, running, and similar activities, provided individuals comply with social distancing requirements six feet, which this family was doing. There was a video by an observer who actually had had them on video, who watched and recorded the officers placing this 33-year-old man in handcuffs and detaining him in front of his 6-year-old daughter for violating Big Daddy government social distancing guidelines. After about 10 minutes in the patrol car of being detained, Mooney was released when the officers realized he wasn't really violating any orders. But the fact that a police officer had to go up, and I don't blame the cops. I blame the individuals giving the cops these orders. Arresting somebody for playing ball with his daughter in an open field. I want my country back. More than anything else in the world. I want my country back. We'll be right back.
4: Secret
0: rendezvous Just me and you
2: i show you
1: love 9.57, we continue on AM 1420 The Answer, Dr. Everett Piper scheduled for after the top of the hour and then Peter Kersenow return, uh, returns for a second day this week uh, at 10.35 this morning he's got more things to share with us that he wasn't able to get in yesterday uh, during his abbreviated appearance. So uh, Piper and Curson. now next hour. Let's go back to it. And uh, Lorraine, Rick, you are on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for waiting, Rick. Go ahead, sir.
4: Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. The best defense is a strong offense. To avoid getting sick from the virus, make yourself strong. Get lots of exercise. Eat well. Get proper rest. Avoid sucrose and processed foods. And have a positive attitude. But nobody has a positive attitude. I go to the store, and everybody has a look of terror on their face. These experts in their lab coats and the governors have everybody scared to death. The experts in their white lab coats, they're in their glory. They're able to tell the governors to shut down businesses, make people stay six feet apart, or better yet, just to stay home. The idea of this is to slow, flatten the curve so that everybody doesn't get the virus at once. If that's the case, it would make the sense, makes sense to let the elderly get it sooner rather than later. If they, delay their, if they delay their getting the virus by six months, they're going to be six months older. It will be harder to survive. So I think the nursing home should immediately allow visitors. Uh, if I could say one more quick comment. Sure, go ahead. All I hear from Dr. Acton and DeWine is that social distancing is responsible for the numbers going down. So if you tell G-Line to reopen the businesses, he's just going to tell you no because it's working. And that's why the numbers are down. So he's, the more the numbers go down, the more he's reinforced that social distancing is the correct uh, strategy.
1: Okay. Was that the end of it? Yes. Okay, um, let me say a couple of things in response. Rick, thank you for the phone call. Um, I agreed with almost everything you said up until the point about uh, getting, uh, letting the elderly get it earlier because six months later they'll get it and they'll be six months older and thus more vulnerable. Um, disagree. Um, that is the one thing that I will agree with the lab coats on. Um, the, the numbers do not... Uh, You know, they can't be mistaken on this. I think the numbers are being uh, altered. I don't think we can trust them in a lot of ways. But the one thing that everybody universally agrees with is that this is far deadlier for people who are 65, 70 years of age and older. Um, I don't want them to get it at all. If anybody should be quarantined, if anybody should be living that lockdown lifestyle right now for their own safety, it would be the elderly. Um and so I would continue or I in fact I probably would have just started there try to protect them first and foremost and everybody else that is in far far more you know 90 uh, 99% plus uh survival rate because literally when you're talking about the healthiest uh, populations uh, part of the popular demographics in the population you know the the mortality rate is 0.00 some percent so I would, in my opinion, I would protect the elderly first and foremost and try to not let them get it at all. And everybody else should be allowed, I believe, to go back to do, to work and to do uh, their own thing, perhaps with some modified guidelines on the, on the job with respect to hygiene, etc. You're spot on, by the way, about the panic, though, that they are creating. You're 100% right, and it's hard to have a good positive attitude, which helps you remain healthier when you have everybody looking like they are just about to get the black plague. They're not. Thank you for that call. It's 10.01. Let's get to the news now. Dr. Everett Piper, next.